Hello, Coaches Cup listeners. This is Sonia Green, and I am back with you this week after a couple weeks vacation. So I hope you enjoyed those past episodes. Those were two of my favorites. But I'm back this week to talk about being open to receive. And sometimes I like to start with a definition just to make sure we're all on the same page. And I was thinking about the word open. We sometimes in the model, when we're talking about our thoughts, our feelings, and our actions, we use open as a feeling. And that's a little bit where I'm going today, but I want to think about open also as an adjective, in which case it would mean something that's not closed off, not blocked up. And I especially like this, not hidden. Think about it with open curtains. They're not blocking the sun. They're not blocking the light. Um, An open door, it's not blocking you from entering in. Being open allows us as people, as opposed to curtains or doors, it allows us when we open ourselves Our authenticity comes through. Opening ourselves makes us somewhat vulnerable, right? If I am open, if I am an open book, think about that that phrase, then somebody who's an open book, you know everything about them. They let you know everything about them. And there's some vulnerability involved in that. If I am open, I am open to criticism. I am open to judgment from other people. Being open, even though there is that vulnerability, there's also that chance for authenticity. We can't be closed up and be authentic. So I wanted to just start with setting the tone for what I'm talking about when I'm saying we need to be open to receive. Being open Uh, is what allows us to receive, right? If I am closed, if I am closed off, then I can't take anything in. So something that I used to say a lot, and I, I still say it sometimes, but to certain people, but it usually it's just in jest, is that I'm an introvert. That's how I've labeled myself for better or worse. That's how the Myers-Briggs labels me pretty strongly, as a matter of fact. But I used to say that I didn't go out to connect with people because the right people would always come to me. And while while I've had some of my best friends have, have done that exact thing, they've come to me, I had to be open to receiving them. And now, as I reflect back on that attitude that I took, although it did work out for me in, you know, with all of my close friends, with my spouse, I wonder if I closed myself off from opportunities that might have really enriched my life? And I'm sure the answer to that is yes. I'm sure at some point I was closed off from others and I missed knowing someone that could have, you know, been really impactful in my life. But 
when I think about this idea of opening myself up to receive and what, when I try to encourage you to open yourselves up to receive, it's not because of things I may have missed out on, but it is for opportunities that lie ahead of us. When we think about what we can receive when we're open, some of the things that we can receive, maybe it is an opportunity for a new relationship. Somebody who you can connect with that you wouldn't connect with if you're closed off. And you know what I mean by closed off. I mean, we all put out those signals, sometimes knowingly, sometimes not knowingly. When I get on an airplane, I will often open a book that says to you, I am closed off to your chit chat. Now, people don't always listen to me, but that's, that's, I have closed myself off that way. A lot of people today use earbuds to close themselves off from opportunities for talking to people. Not always. You know, sometimes they're still aware of what's going on, but it gives the appearance of being closed off. So we may be closing ourselves off to opportunities for relationships, but when we're open to receive, it might not even be with something with another person. It could be a new opportunity. Are you open to receiving a new job, a new task at the your current job? Maybe you're open to receiving a new idea, a new way of thinking about yourself. Being open to receive is about being open to receive other people in your life, but it's also about being open to receive those things just in our minds. I'll give you an example of something that, that recently happened to me. Those of you who are who are longtime listeners to the podcast, you know that I have been coaching women who have imposter syndrome and perfectionism for the last three years. And during that time, I have been developing the idea of who I want to be as a coach. And I have been open to receiving messages from the universe, if you will, about where that's going, where that's going to go for me. Because I always felt that somehow I could make a connection between my academic career, which was, I was an English professor, taught mainly technical and professional writing courses. But I always felt there was something about that academic career that could cross with my coaching career. And I just couldn't quite put my finger on what it was. Some people suggested that that I do like workshops for resumes and getting people ready to go on the job market. And I could do that. But that didn't really light a fire under me. It wasn't really the thing I was looking for. And it was, it blocked me. That idea that that was the thing blocked me from thinking about other areas until I finally decided, no, I'm not doing that. 
That's not what I want to do. There's something else out there. And I opened myself to finding whatever that piece was, not knowing where to look, not knowing how to find it, how long it would take. I decided I would open myself up to the possibility of that missing piece that there was a cross there. And as I was on vacation last weekend with my two college roommates, one of them is a community college president now. And we were talking just about her, her life and, and her job. She's been in the job for a couple of years now. And she was talking about the challenges of one of her teams the challenges that they were having. And I just very casually said, you know, it's because nobody teaches you how to work together in a team. They just throw people together and get the job done. And I said, you know, in technical, in my technical and professional writing classes, I always taught students how to work together in teams, how to set up those foundational processes so that they could be successful. And her eyes got huge. And she said, Sonia, I would pay big money for somebody to come in and teach my people how to work together in teams. Boom, mic drop. (laughs) That, you know, the heavens opened, the angels started singing. That was the moment that I realized this is the cross right here. This is the intersection because I love teaching students to work together in teams. A collaboration is my passion in many ways because I could go on for days about this, but just suffice it to say so much can happen when people are open to listening to each other, to, to really taking in each other's ideas. We all have so many experiences that we could never put together on our own in a new idea. But listening to someone else, like I just listened to my friend, opens us up. This is where real innovation can happen. And that's something that, I mean, that's my jam. That's what I love. And so suddenly I realized This is the perfect intersection because teaching people how to work together in teams is part process. It's part teaching them some of the structural things that you need to put in place to work together in teams. It's also mindset. It's also the coaching that I do on a regular basis because things like perfectionism, things like imposter syndrome hold us back when we are collaborating, when we're working in a team, they shut us down. And if we are not open, then we aren't going to be able to share our ideas, to soak in what the other person is saying. So what keeps us from being open? Basically, if you if you really boil it down, we could spend a whole lot more time than we have today on this on this podcast talking about it. But fear of change is what often keeps us from being open because our brains tell us if we close down, if we hold back, we don't have to change. And as we've talked about before, our brains don't like change. You can look at back at episodes we have on change and revisit those if you want to know more about why. But two ways that we see fear of change presenting itself 
and closing us off, keeping us from being open to new ideas, to new images of what's possible in our lives, to new relationships, to new jobs. The first one is control. I used to be a self-described control freak. I know a lot of high achieving women who describe themselves that way, but being a control freak or being someone who likes to be in control, it's not even possible, right? When we really look at our lives, how much do we really control? If I'm a control freak, I might control and I'm your boss. I might control what you do, what you say, how you do it. But what am I really controlling? I I can't control if you stay or go. I can train you and then you can leave because you can't work for me because I'm a control freak. When we really examine what it is we have control over, the whole concept of being a control freak And, you know, we usually say it with a little pride, right? If I'm a control freak, that means I know what's going on. I'm tough. I have expectations of people. I have expectations of the way things go. It somehow is confused with having a higher standard. But that's really not what's happening when you are a control freak at all. You're holding on to a false sense of control and your brain knows it. So you spend a lot of time worrying about that control because you know it's not real deep inside, even if you think it's real on the outside. The other thing that keeps us closed off and is part of that fear of change is needing to be right. When we need to be right, It usually has something to do with our sense of security, self-worth. I, at one point, had uh, someone that that I had, had a relationship with, and that person used to tell people that I always needed to be right. And I look back at that, and I can laugh about it. In fact, I've had other people laugh about it. Can you believe they said that about you, that you always need to be right? You never need to be right. I've seen you admit you're wrong hundreds of times. And and that's true. Where I am now, I, even, even if I know I am right about a certain fact, I don't hold on to the need to be right. I'm willing to not force the issue and let you find out on your own if that's a better way for you to learn. Now, obviously, if it involves somebody's safety, I'm not going to do that. But in general, I don't need to be right. But what I do know is that with that person who described me that way, they were right about me then because I often knew I was right about facts and it wasn't really anything that was even important, but because I wanted that person to be more like me, and I didn't realize it at the time that that's why I was doing it, but because I wanted them to fit into my mold more, I corrected them when they were wrong. And I didn't always do it in a nice way. So you see the control part there. 
I corrected them to try to make them more like me. I was always right and I wanted to make sure they knew it. But what that kept me from doing is having a real relationship with that person because my objective became focusing on controlling them, getting them to be the right way that I lost sight of who that person was and what that person's value was just in being who they were. So if you're somebody who wants to be right, you want to control the situation, what is it that you're sacrificing for that need to be in control, to be right? When when you think about somebody visually being right or being in control, you know, I think of somebody crossing their arms and ha ha. That stance, crossing your arms is closing yourself off to everyone else around you. I'm right. I'm in control. I'm better than you. Those are all false senses our brain gives us to keep from being vulnerable, to protect us because of that fear of change. Remember, I said at the beginning, being open is being vulnerable. So, Here's, here's the choice that you get to make. I've made it and I am a much better person for making it. I want to be open. Do you? If you are trying to change your image of what's possible, if you are looking for new ideas, new ways of moving forward, improving yourself, you can't do that by closing yourself off by hiding away, because none of the new ideas, new people, new concepts, none of them are going to penetrate that wall that you put up when you cross your arms and close yourself off. Being open is a little scary. It means that you're open to judgment. It means you're open to criticism, but it also means you're open to a whole new idea of who you can be. And I decided that that was worth it. And I am not wrong about that. So if you are looking for coaching, if you want to learn how to be more open, how to not be afraid of being vulnerable, you can find more information about coaching with me at soniagreencoaching.com. You can find me on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, Sonia Green Coaching, I would encourage you to reach out, send me a DM, tell me what's going on with you and what you're trying to change. We can have a chat about it before you make any decisions about coaching. If you are a listener, then join us on the Coaches Cut Podcast Facebook page. Tell us what held you back, what kept you closed and how you decided to change it. All right, I'll see you next week.